Yeah, this whole exercise has taught me something about the way that our church works. Everybody's really busy. Really busy. I'm asked some questions of that before the end, but it's try and get a Sunday where you can get everybody together for a If you get two thirds of people, you're doing well, aren't you? Uh, which is amazing. Uh, so I don't know how all you like juggle all your lives, but you must be very, very busy. Uh, let's, let's, let's start by praying together. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we want to use this next hour or so well. Would you help us to do that? We pray. We want to think about what it looks like to be a, me- a, a body of members together serving you and your purposes in our generation here and speak. So help us to do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, look at this. Thank you for the tea. Tommy, do you want to dive in and grab yourself a cup of tea? Oh, should we all do cups of tea now? Otherwise people will be looking at there, longingly desperate. All right, go on. Let's do teas now. Somebody serve, will you? Well, we've all got our teas, so we can restart again, okay? So, a uh, little bit of feedback. How did you get on meeting with each other over the last couple of weeks, those of you who met up? How did you get on? Yeah? Good? Brilliant? Remember, membership isn't an idea that we box off in our little mental pigeonholes and say, I now understand what that's about. It's a whole lifestyle. It's a, it's a whole attitude towards relationships. That's what it is. Okay? So one of the things that we try to achieve with this is put that into practice. And I hope you get beginning to get a feel of how difficult that is because of busyness. And one of the things that we're going to ask about before the end of today's session is, if you say yes to membership, what will that also require you to do? What's the flip side? You say yes to membership. No, that's the problem, isn't it? What's the opposite? If we say yes to membership, what have we got to do? Otherwise you'll kill yourself. Oh, well, that's one thing. If you, right now, you're all saying yes to being here, what are you saying no to? Other things. So listen, this, this course isn't making busy people busier. This is about, under the Lord's hand, figuring out what he would have us make, how he would have us make choices about how we use them. The same number of hours that we've all got in every week, haven't we? So saying yes to membership is by very nature you have to start doing what? Saying no to other things. So today, you've done that. In the week, you did that. Now, if you're one of the poor people in the world, and I have to admit, I tend in this direction, if you're one of the poor people in the world who really thinks they uh, can just add membership onto what they're currently doing, uh, the likelihood is you're going to be on Prozac, or having a stomach ulcer, or killing yourself, or screaming at the kids, or something. So, one of the things that we want to see here is... We want to be absolutely convinced of that the Lord's plan for us is to prioritise this. We need to know in our lives that membership and living out all of that means is more important or is so important that it gives us the ability with confidence to say not just yes to membership but no to other things. Does that make sense? And we're going to come to some of those by the end of the session. Does that make sense? Yeah, we happy with that? Right, I gave you those five sentences. One, two, three, four, five. And they were just general sentences about, or you could say they're truths about, or they're reflections about relationship together. 
so I'll just read the five of them out and then I'm going to ask you for a bit of feedback as to whether any stood out for you, whether you like them, whether you agree with them, disagree with them. Do you see that? No relationship delivers what you dreamt it could. Your fantasy collides with rea- reality and reality bites. That's a nice place to start, isn't it? Oh. Uh, next one. Every painful thing we experience in relationship is meant to remind us of our need for the Lord. Next one. The Bible assumes that relationships, this side of eternity, will be messy and a lot of work. Uh, since relationships are about being other-centered, the self-centeredness of sin will inevitably subvert God's design. Uh, fifthly, we enter relationships for personal pleasure, self-actualization, safety and fun. You could add to that as well duty, if you're Christians, or maybe if you're dutiful to other things. We want low personal costs and high self-defined returns. So there's just a few, just to get your grey cells thinking. Which ones do you like? Which ones ring true? Which ones do you have to confess and say, me? Which ones make you just want to run a mile and not even bother? Uh, which ones make you crave heaven? Yeah, any reflections, any thoughts at all? There's no wrong answers in this, but it's just talking about it. So there's a sense in which we do need a bit of a detox sometimes, don't we? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Good stuff. Anything else? Let's try to close this. So we can lose the echo. Anything else? And no, I think what we're—I think one of the things that we're, ways we're supposed to look at disappointments, frustrations, difficulties, hardships in relationship is we're immediately supposed to. Our, our instinct is got to fix it, got to fix it, got to make it work, got to make it fulfil the dream. When I think what you do as a believer is you start to slow things down and you go, oh yeah, I live in a fallen world and I know that if I get overly invested even in good things, I'm going to get upset. Here's something that just reminds me that I need the Lord every day. He's the anchor. He's the sure thing. And I think I, I'd use that sentence in a context of um, when I'm talking with somebody who is building their life in the hope that they will be fulfilled and saved by good relationships. Sooner or later you're heading for a bit of a thought. But thank you. Good. Any other thoughts or observations in there? Sums you up. So if you picked one statement, and these are all, all this, these are like statements of like proverbial wisdom, aren't they? If there was one of those five for you to pick and read, that you think, oh, I really need to ponder that one a bit, bit more. You don't have to tell me what it is, but just have a little scan through and say, hmm, that's the one that I'm going to think on. Because you can always take it, take it away and then pray into it later. Just pick one there, just to let it rattle around. You know, we've been thinking about meditating on stuff. Pick one, and you think, hmm, yeah. I'll just see the last one. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean by 
Yeah, I think that's pursuing your own agenda and goals. So it's the idea that quite often what we'll do is we'll gravitate towards people who offer us something that we like. Which, yeah, so that's not necessarily wrong, because I assume you gravitate towards God, is there something good about it? Uh, yeah, I think the, the motive behind it is self, uh, it's, it's a question of motives here, um, self-serving purposes. Because it's just kind of identity relationships out of this. My, my simply. The first one and a half chapters 
It starts with, in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 3, Praise thee to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This is what we talk about every week. This is what we focused on last time. We said that we've been taken up into a bigger story that is in Christ. Uh, chapter 1, verse 10, if you scan down there, uh, it's uh, talking about God's great plan to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfilment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head. That literally means sum up under. I'm a maths teacher and when we teach addition, uh, you put one number then the other number then you draw a line and what do you do? Add them up under. In the ancient world, it was the other way around. You put one number, another number, draw a line above and you'd add it up to the top. Everything would get summed up into so that all the component parts create that big headline. So what is the big headline of the late great planet Earth? Christ. That is the purposes of the Lord. And in this first one and a half chapters, that's unpacked. Uh, what gets unpacked is that we get saved by grace to be brought into union with Jesus Christ. So if you were writing a, a little thing next to that thing, you want to say union with Christ. That's the big thing. Being summed up. Hey, Debbie, do you want to... Let's, um, there you go. Western. Old and was. We've not long since started, Debbie. Here you go. There you go. Okay. Tommy, do you want to just point out to Debbie where, where we are? There we go. Okay. So, if you want to sum up the first one and a half chapters, easy. We've been brought into a union with Jesus Christ. Somebody read for us, will you, verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through to 10. Oh, just stop there. Don't boast in self. Who are we going to be a people who boast in? Boast in Christ. He has brought us, summed us up into him. We're part of it. We're part of his story now. Praise the Lord. Keep going if you would, please. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, so at the end of that section, you're one in Christ, but you've been created to do something. Do you know what the next one and a half chapters is about? Sorry? Nearly. It's how God is bringing people together under Christ. So, if you like, chapters, uh, chapter, uh, first one and a half is quite simply being brought together under Jesus Christ. The next one and a half chapters is a new community of people who've had that done. Do you see that? And that's why it finishes in, in chapter 2 verse 10, that split there starts with, you've got a good work to do. Let me tell you what else God is doing. He's not just bringing you to himself. He is putting together an international people who agree the same, and the work that he's got for you to do is to be built up into that. You see? So people say, um, uh, people might stop me and say, Steve, um, why should I be a member of a church? Why should I be in formal membership of the church? How does this begin to give us the answer to that? What do you think? It's 
to go and people say, oh, because I go there and I get built up and I, you know, I, I get my needs met, I get the Sunday school for my kids. Um, there's a bit of a vision, I like the singing or not, I like the preaching or not, go there, you know, there's other Christians and we're supposed to meet together. So, where all the excuses, sorry, not excuses, that's one word, all the reasons just given there um, were based in who? The sayer of those reasons, you see? What here is the reason that God's people gather and commit one to another? Where's the, where, where, where's the centre of the reason? It's in Christ. He's the reason. You cannot be a lone ranger. You don't get saved to yourself. The Lord is calling and building a people together. So if you say, well, why do I go to a church? Because I've been saved. Because that's what I'm saved to. This rich, growing, international people of God. So it's not a pragmatic function, it's a theological conviction about who God is go- uh, uh, what God is doing in the world. Do we see that? So, let's have a quick look at the prayer at the end of chapter 3. Prayer at the end of chapter 3. Could somebody read verses 14 through to 21 for us? series of churches but he's thinking corporately and he's got a prayer for this corporate group and there's a few assumptions here and you can see these in the notes number one there is a direction of growth and change a transformation he's praying that they would know more of God that they would experience the full measure of his fullness they would that, which is I mean, if I have more time I'd centre it uh, it's centred on what Christ has done at the cross uh, that this would fill them more that it would shape them more that they would be grown up uh, it's, it's going to be a supernatural thing, verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So there's a growing power, it's a supernatural thing. The big assumption here is that growth and change works itself out in community. Nobody ever tells that in individualistic West, does it? Occasionally, when there's, um, you listen on Radio 1 to the Agony Arts, and there'll be somebody ringing in with a, um, a problem, either they've just split up with their girlfriend, they've got a nasty illness, uh, they're not sure where, what to do with their exams, that kind of thing. Uh, the same little bit of useful wisdom information will be, um, try and set some good goals, put people around you who will look after you, pursue your own, um, uh, pursue your own dreams and don't let anybody tell you you can't get there. So there's a little bit of a touch if you need people as a safety net. But not, nothing compared to what we see here, which is saying, if you actually want to grow as a believer, the only place you can do that is in the, amongst the community. 
Uh, I find this really, really helpful. This is a, a dude with a funny name. His name's um, Miroslav Volf. He says this, Because the Christian God is not a lonely God, but rather a communion of three persons, faith leads human beings into the divine communio relationship. One cannot, however, have a self-enclosed communion with the triune God, a foursome. For the Christian God is not a private deity. Communion with this God is at once also communion with those who have entrusted themselves in faith to the same God. Hence, one and the same act of faith places a person into a new relationship with God and with all others who stand in communion with God. We get made one. You see that? That isn't just a functional thing, as in, let's find out how we can all do that together. It's it's a spiritual reality that is the case the moment you trust in Jesus. The second you belong to Jesus, you have been spiritually connected to people. The big question is, how well do we live that out? And that's what he wants us to do. Uh, Effectively what this is saying is you need the whole people of God to know more fully the love of God. Does that make sense? That's frightening, isn't it? God, I want to live myself! But I suppose a good example might be unless I see the way that the Lord is merciful to Western. in a way that he needs to be subtly merciful to Western, in a way that he subtly doesn't need to be merciful to me, or at least I can't see it at the moment. By being in communion with Western, and seeing how Western grows in grace and the knowledge of God, and trusts in the Lord, and turns away from that sin, and grows, and acts in faith, and love towards other people, I get something of a sense of who the Lord is, and what he's like, that I wouldn't if I was doing it all on my own. C.S. Lewis talked a little bit about this. He says... Um, you need your friends to know somebody. You see this at a funeral, don't you? Uh, at a funeral, you've got four or five people who will stand up and talk about a particular person and what they're like. Uh, if just one person stands up, you listen, and you think, yeah, okay, I feel like I can understand that person. But then somebody else comes and knows them from a slightly different angle and sees a different aspect of them and starts talking about that, and suddenly you get a fuller picture of who they are. You see that? You need your friends to know a person. There's, there's more knowledge in the corporate. Than it, and that's what we're being told here is that as we gather together, there is something powerful here going on. That The Lord says as we co- corporately learn to lean into him and his love together, we all get more than we, did it, we would if we were on our own. Do you see that? So, listen, I think I've, I've talked quite a lot for the moment. Uh, it's worth saying that as soon as the end of chapter 3 comes round... The, the rubber hits the road. Three chapters of great doctrine. You have been made in union with Christ through his grace. Number two, he is building a massive international people, bringing people together all under Jesus. So there's the whopping great doctrine, and then suddenly, at the beginning of chapter four, bang! And it's all about to hit the, ru- the road. Union and new community. What do we do? What will it look like? So... Uh, we need somebody to read for us Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through to 16 and then I'm going to give you some little tasks around your table to have a play around with Okay, who's going to read first uh, chapter 4 verses 1 through to 16 for us thanks Sarah thanks 
Make every effort to keep the real seat of the spirit through the bonds of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ portioned it, and that is why it saves. When you send it on high, you may capture the man. What will you send to me, except that you also be standing to the lower earth and region? We present it to the burning world for the sins high in all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for work and service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth of the Lord, we will in all things grow up in Him, who is the head that is Christ. From Him the whole body joins and held together by every supporting ligament Right, thank you for reading that. Uh, and what I want you to do is just dig into the book of Ephesians and see what it says. Um, what you've got there is that there's, there's four bullet points with four application points. And what, what we're going to do is just very quickly, I want you to spend five minutes in your group where it says, what is the Lord's vision and agenda? Look at those verses together and just come up, try and come up with a couple of headlines and begin the process trying to apply that, what difference that's going to make to the way we do church, or the way we think about ourselves, okay? So, find out, try to scribble down an idea, what is the Lord's vision and agenda, have a look in those verses, and then have a, begin the process of saying, well, what difference is that going to make, about what we expect in church, what we want from church, uh, what, how we're going to interact with church, that kind of thing, okay? So we'll do, and then what we'll do is we'll come back, and I'll give you a few of my thoughts on that, we can interact with that, and we'll do the next one. So, my guess is there's, there's, there's those four key blocks there, five to ten minutes on each one, and then we'll sum up with some stuff at the end. And that's all we're going to do today. Is that right? Have I got a pen? Uh, I will try and find a pen for you. Okay? So, round your little tables. Uh, everybody's nervous. Dive in. Have a go. I'm not expecting you to be able to summarise these things like a preacher. Don't worry. Just shout out what you notice. Try and say, what is the Lord's agenda, vision and agenda? And I'll call us back in two or three minutes. Well, five minutes. More so, because it really is quite simple. It's just, I've probably overcomplicated it. I do apologise. First one, what is the Lord's vision agenda? Found in some of those verses. Okay, always a good place to look at the end. <laughs> quite often, but you've got a bit of a hint of it, hint of it at the beginning. What's the agenda? Unity. Unity, good. In what? And spirit and body, uh, that's sort of... Brilliant, so we're looking to do that. Let me read those last few verses uh, at the end of uh, that section. Let's read. Um, to prepare God's people's works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature... Uh, verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up into him 
Verse 16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every sporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. So what is it? what's the big picture? What's the big agenda? Union with Christ. Big international community. And what is the Lord working towards? What's the place where the rubber hits the road? In the local congregation, what are you doing? Being unified in Christ and growing and maturing. Is that it? Are we happy with that? Does that sound about right? Part of the function of that will be out of the first six verses where we see the character of God, that he is one, so we become one, so unity is growing together, standing for Christ. That's not losing our own personal distinctives, but it's about the, the coming together of hearts and a focus. Now, what are some of the implications of this? If currently we are not full grown, how would we describe ourselves? Yeah, no offence. Spiritually, you know, when we first come to faith, we... We don't know the Lord very well, though we're just as much a part of the family, aren't we? Little Poppy, she contributes nothing but mess and puke and nappies to our family. Does that mean we kick her out? No, but she's going to grow, isn't she? Okay? So we're a community of grace because we realise that we start with spiritual infancy. Notice that he's talking to some church leaders. So what does that tell you about the church leaders? It tells you they haven't arrived. No church leaders arrived. All still growing. Do you get that? So what's that immediate application? We, we, we've got to kick into touch that idea that the church is a place where people who've got it all together arrive and congregate. Can we please kick that into touch? The church, and we need to take responsibility for how we communicate ourselves in this as well. Because if we're always putting on the evangelical smile um, and pretending that everything's okay and the second that we're outside in the car park everything's falling apart, it may be that the church culture we're a part of has meant that we can't be real. But it might also be the fact that we're just very proud. And we don't want this to be true of us, that I'm still growing and haven't arrived yet. So we want to nurture a church community that is aiming for maturity, but is there to love, support, grow together as we do that. We've got realistic expectations of ourselves, but it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. So what's the Lord's vision for us? To grow us together as a community of Christ loving, maturing, growing believers. So my question to you is this, is this, okay? Uh, how, how have you grown in the last year? How have you grown? If it doesn't, if you come up with an answer that doesn't involve people, the likelihood is you haven't grown. Do you get that? Because we think, you know, even just, how I grow, well, I've learned this, and I've, unless it is, I've felt the Lord burning in my heart some wonderful truths to the point where I've moved towards somebody else in love to see them receive and grow in what I've got. Do you see how it's a relational thing? See that? Okay, good. Any, anybody want to make any questions or comments on that point? Anyone, anybody want to say anything about that? Well, we've already seen the prayer, haven't we? It wants us to grow to the fullness. And, and quite often what we do, because partly because of our culture, partly because of our pride, is 
we we don't we don't pursue um, relationships of depth and of value of maturity as much as the Lord would have us do, and by the result of that is we stay stunted. Uh, you know, and that's one of the reasons you'll you'll hear us from the front, and we'll try and organise something that won't fit everybody. It just won't. Because how do you do that for like 80 people? You can't. Don't fit everybody. But we won't say, well, if you think about, if you can think about it on that particular day, come to lunch. Now we'll say, come to lunch. It's not because we're sort of trying to build a crowd. It's because it's it's something that falls out of the reality of what God wants us to be. Now, coming to lunch doesn't. That's that's often just social time together. But you know, getting. That's why I've said to you, meet up with one another and just just do that little bit of depth work with one another. What can I pray for you? Let's read through what Steve talked about. And let's open that passage up that we looked at. Well, let's think about how this works into And we suddenly, we're growing. And it's together. Okay? Good. So, if that's, that's where, that's, that's, that's where um, it's, it's going, Let, can I, um, uh, I'll save us, I'll save us the, uh, I'll do number two with you. Would that be right? We'll do number two with you. Which is, where will this vision agenda take place? And I've been saying it already. Where, where's it going to take place? Local. Local. In church. In church. Look, can I give you my paraphrase? Actually, no, it was Tim Lane who put me onto this. Uh, who gave the paraphrase of verses one to three. As a prisoner of, of the Lord... Um, For the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Okay, you don't do that in a formal church meeting. What is this this chapter saying? It's saying saying this. If you want to write something down, write this down. Work hard at your spiritual friendships. You see that? Because half the things in there, you can't. How do you be humble and patient with somebody on a Sunday morning between 11 and 12 o'clock? The assumption here is that this is a network of relationships that happens outside of formal meetings. Though the formal meetings are important to express our corporate identity together, work hard at your um, uh, at your spiritual friendships. What does it? Um, what does it? What does verse three start? Let me look at verse 3 for us. Make every effort. So let's revisit that one. A little while earlier you said, right, we're going to say yes to membership. To make every effort means we're going to have to do what? I'm really encouraged with your enthusiasm. Earlier, just ten minutes before you were in, I set them up with that phrase and they've already decided to blank me. If you say yes to something, what are you going to have to do? Say no to something else. This isn't about adding more busyness to ridiculously busy people. If this is, we're talking at a deeper level. Steve, you've put this membership down to try and get us to commit more. No, I don't, if anything, I probably want you to be less busy. I just want you to clear stuff that before, between you and the Lord, and maybe with the help of people around you, you say, I'm trying to do everything, and that's a real blessing. I've got so many opportunities to do important things in my life, and things that have value. I'm, it's gonna, I'm going to have to say no to something to make every effort to do this. Now, immediately, even as you listen, you're coming up with 
good things, and this is the kicker, isn't it? Good things that make it difficult, or either difficult to let go of, or get in the way, you think, of making every effort. Come on, let's get them out of the table. What are they? Sorry? Your job. Good. What else? Family. Oh, and they're never happy, and they're very, very, let's be honest, there's times and seasons in family life where it's more demanding than other times, yeah? Anybody like me ever hidden behind that as a result, as an as a excuse not to make an, every effort to move towards somebody and help them and encourage them? <laughs> Can't be any sinner in the world. Okay, good. Uh, what else? Let's get more stuff on the table. Come on. Worldliness. Come on. Yeah, worldliness. Come on. Yeah. That's it. So there are some friendships and some relationships where we have to just say, look, I, I, I've got to decide what the Lord would have me prioritising. Listen, I'm not giving you hard and fast lines here. All I'm telling you is you need to get this one on the, the agenda. Because if you haven't consciously said no to something, you ain't going to say yes to this. You'll just sit with a big puddle of guilt going, oh, I should do better, I should try more. How on earth am I... Do you, do you see what I mean? Yeah? Okay, and you, anything else we want to get out to the table on this one? Church? Does that mean we say you've noticed that you've been to church? Sorry, you've got... Because of activities, because you could be in busy church, but... Oh, I'm glad you've said that, yeah. Aren't evangelical Christians the worst of this? It's the typical thing that happens at, um, you know, if we have a guest service and there's people to meet and greet and they're sinners like us, where do half of us try to run to? The kitchen. Because <laughs> then I'm doing something for the Lord without... Do you, do you know what? That's okay from time to time because corporately different, we're wired differently and things like that. But there could be ways in which we're so busy doing church ministries that what we're not doing is actually invested in people. And you say, hold on, are those two at loggerheads? Well, sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. But we have to be honest with ourselves, don't we? Sometimes what we do is we'll say to ourselves, well, I commit to Wednesday night between there and there, that's the bit I'm giving to the Lord to, to help glorify his name, but see people built up and disciples. The rest of the week is my own. That can be a danger, can't it? Maybe we haven't said it as frankly as that, but sometimes that's the reality. Or the rest of the week I will give to um, my sporting activity, or to spoiling rotten my children, or to living my life through EastEnders or whatever it may be. Do we see that? So one of the things I want to provoke in you is if this vision takes place amongst community um, spiritual friendships formal settings and informal what would it look like for you to make every effort? I can't answer that for, the, for you. But I can tell you that the broad direction will be in relationship with people. Yeah. So as you process that has anybody any thoughts and reflections on that? Is it a little unsettling? It is, isn't it? It's really a little unsettling. I suppose that's why you get to grow in it. Good, okay. Next one, Lord. You have a go on this one around your tables. I uh, don't think that this one... I think Debbie will like this one. It's really straightforward, this one. How does this spiritual growing up and coming together in unity work? Um, how will it happen? So have a little look at those little sections. How does it happen? And then start to talk about some of the implications that you can think of around your table.
Okay, should we, should we have a little look at that one then? So, can I, can I jump in? If, um, if the place where we've been so far is that what is Christ achieving in the world? Number one, he is given us union with him, which connects us into this global, new, transformed community whose characteristic is one of growth and unity together in him, growing up, maturing together. Okay? Um, and where does that book play take place? In the context of local churches with gospel-rich relationships, real depth to them. And sometimes because of the way we've set church up, that hasn't always happened, and sometimes because of the fact that it's just hard to move towards people, or to have somebody move towards you, and it's have to take time over it. But that's the direction of travel, isn't it? Growing together. How will it happen then? What came out of those various verses? What did you find? How will it happen? Should I do my um, foreign language teacher thing and emphasise the, the word that you need to pick up? You ready? Good. That will be one of the things that happens. But how do we nurture faith and unity? Okay. Answer. Chapter 4, verse 11 through to 13. We'll see it there. It is he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. What do all those gifts in the body have in common? What do they all do? Speak about Christ. Okay? Get the reality of who he is, what he's done, alive in the congregation. That's the whole point. Verse 12. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. We need to get that knowledge, that truth, and become mature. So that's where it all, where it all will happen. Uh, and we'll reach the measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's have a look at verse 15. Uh, instead, speaking the truth in love. So th- we're talking about a, a group of people who are rich in the word. Not because that it's about head knowledge, it's about living in the, reli- the, the, the light of the reality of the achievements of Christ, which is the gospel being preached. So we talk about how we're interacting with him. We talk about who he is, what he's like. Uh, that's how it all gets done. Uh, chapter 5, verse... Uh, where are we? Verses 18... Oh, I'm in chapter 6. Verses 18... Uh, sorry, 19 through to 20. And it says, Speak, oh, again, <laughs> speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Oh, I'd rather somebody else speak to them. In some, no. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. So there is a formal ministry idea. We've got pastors, teachers, evangelists who, who give us the word ministry and equip us to go and propagate it, get it out. And so I suppose I've put three words down there. Can you see those three words on the paper? There is proclamation. There is conversation. And you picked it up just at the end, making music in your heart to Christ. There is meditation. So if you like, there's these three directions of word ministry. If you put it this way, you could say the first one is a public. It's organised in organised settings. On a Sunday morning, in a ladies' Bible study, in a fellowship group. At, a, at speak kits or at welcome club or Wednesday club 
You see, there's a formal component where quite often we're sitting under a pulpit ministry or somebody is leading it. There is this one anothering, which is conversation. So if one's public, this one is personal, as in interpersonal. There's the sense in which we're sharing our spiritual walks with each other, even at the level of saying, uh, how's it going today? Uh, what's encouraged you from the word? Or what could I be praying for for you? Or you're in the midst of this situation. Um, I wonder what the Lord would have us pray for pray for you in that now if you want to be growing in that the best place to grow in that ability to do and to just think in terms of uh, conversational personal relationship do the Sunday evening course helping people change for those of you who have done it you will know it's all about this it's how do I move towards somebody with these kind of wanting to speak the truth in love simple as that Uh, you know it's not about learning how to give a Bible study it's learning how to care for somebody else spiritually and move towards them gently and lovingly and we want that to be the DNA of our church. We've spoken about this so many times, where we've got gospel-rich, good depth of relationship. Now, you can't do that with everybody, but my assumption is there'll be one or two or ten people where you can do that. Okay? I don't expect you to know everything about everybody. That's not, that's not reasonable. But there's a sense in which you, you will have a, a, some closer friends or people that you're moving towards, and you've got spiritual ambition for them. Obviously, if you're a parent, it would be your kids. But perhaps in the fellowship group, I'd say if you're a regular in a fellowship group, and that's one of the formal places, and I'd really encourage you to be at one of those, you say, you know, I'm going to particularly pray for, and just ask after the people in my fellowship group. So every week I'll just pick a different person to sit next to. I'll sit next to them and say, how's things going for you? What's encouraged you? What's discouraged you? How are you processing life? Um, what can I pray? That kind of thing. So you get to know a small group in the fellowship group. Uh, maybe there's two or three people who you meet with and read the Bible with. Maybe there's a, a lost person do you say, I'm going to try to move towards that person with the view of sharing something of my faith? So, how will it happen? Oh, sorry, yeah, proclamation, that's the public, organised, formal. Uh, conversation, that's the personal. Meditation is, you got that in the last verse, you know, um, singing in your heart to the Lord. Uh, plenty of churches just do the, the formal and the personal. Sorry, the formal and the private, which is meditation. We want to be people of the Word who've, who've got something to say to people. Not as a test, but to say, um, we want to be able to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And the place where that often starts is not by trotting out somebody else's joys in Christ, but just nurturing your own through reading, the, through reading God's word. And if you want some help getting started on that or getting kick-started back into that, come and speak to me about that afterwards. Anything else on that one? Anything stand out for you that you want to say? Any questions or queries about it? relationally rich gospel fluent vision for other people caring about where they're at and again like I said I've said this several times one of the best things to do is to say what's on your mind that I could be praying for with you and you'll get a little bit of a window into where the person is and you can either follow it up with a few sentences or if you can't think on the spot 
Um, you can listen to what they've said, go away and pray for them, and then you can go back to them at some future point. So, you know, you said that, 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 and I just wondered, and I don't know whether this will stick, but I was just pondering on the fact that Christ, um, he sustains us even when we don't recognise that he's there. And I wonder whether, I could just tell you that, do with it what you please, but I'll be praying that as you face this thing that you're going through at the moment, the Lord would sustain and encourage and build you up. You see? Anyway, if you want to learn more how to do that thing on that, go to that course on a Sunday evening. It's very helpful to that end. Uh, cool. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. The, um, the, the one ob- what's the one obvious thing we've missed, I've not said from there? Look at verse 12. Sorry, verse, el- verse 12, yeah. What's the, what's the really obvious thing we haven't applied from there? Good. What's the implication of that? Who does the ministry? Is it your, your formal public preachers? Who does the ministry? That's it. Now that's really important, isn't it? Because we've subtly, through a history of churchianity in our country, we've subtled into the idea that the leaders and the preachers does the work. Or, now, praise God, that isn't the reality around here. But it's the other way. If, if, if church was a football match, who are the, the preachers, the upfront leaders, the elders? Are they the ones on the pitch kicking the ball around? Now, they're the boring losers who are in the backroom boardrooms making the whole thing run. Who are the ones on the pitch? Who are the ones scoring the goals? The whole church family. Every member ministry having a go. That's the way the Lord thinks, and we need to work hard to, to do that. So constantly me and Anthony are asking is how are we enabling and empowering people, how are we encouraging them then? Our big temptation is to try and do the work all, all on our own and think we're the only ones who can do it. Now the, what, what we've been told here is the way this works is everybody takes responsibility. Um, anybody here can, can pray for and speak to somebody. And even if it's just one, but some people are gifted here to go out and win the world for Christ. Um, and we want to build you up in that. But every member's got ministry. Brilliant. Let's just go on and have a look quickly, very quickly. This is really easy, this one. Have a look at verses 3 and 15, and then talk amongst yourselves what will be the defining characteristics of this kind of vision, this place where the Lord is leading us to. How will we know when it's mature, I suppose, is a good way of saying it. Right, okay, what, did, what came back out of that? What, from this whole thing, this whole vision, if you like, which is what it is, um, what should or should not be our motives for growing in commitment to the local church? I've already heard some good stuff coming out of it, so it's worth shouting out again so we can get it recorded on the tape. Or the MP3, whatever you want to call it. What are some of the good, uh, should and shouldn't be our motives? Yeah. The church is Christ's idea, and it's shaped like him, and we love him. We want to be part of that. Okay? We want to be part of that. We want the fullness of who Jesus is. And if he says the place where it's found is doing the hard work in relationships, building depth, being committed, despite what our sin might say, which is don't build depth and don't be committed, we trust Jesus. So we're going we're to go for it his way and trust that when we do it his way, he's honoured and we get blessed. Good. What else? Um, 
So those are the things we, we do want to push into, don't we? So we do want to make sure we're at public formal ministries as best we can be. You know, jobs permitting all that kind of thing. We do want to be doing the hard work of pushing into personal gospel friendships. It's really hard for some of us. So if you're, if you're gifted with a bit more confidence than other people, take a lead on that. That doesn't mean that introvert people shouldn't at least try. But we're saying if you're gifted with a little bit more confidence, you move towards somebody as best you can because that's the loving thing to do. Okay? Privately, we want to be working this in. Good. What, what, what else should, should be uh, our motives for growing in commitment to the local church? Well, what should not be. Oh, God. What should not be is? Guilt. Yeah. Yeah. And we certainly know, because we're self-righteous, we know how to do guilt trips in churches, don't we? Yeah, and may the Lord deliver us from guilt-motivated stuff. Yeah. Brilliant. So sal- salvation, you do not get saved. Yeah, this is about worship, trust, this is about faith, it's about being on board with his agenda, this is not about um, do this and the Lord will smile on you. He smiles on you for, because of Christ and Christ alone. Okay. Good. Anything else there? Selfish motives shouldn't be. So sometimes we go to church because, or we like to be part of the community to the degree that it meets my needs. And that will only show itself when something doesn't go according to your plan. You get, get the hump and march off. Now let's face it, we all know how to do that. Even if we haven't physically done it because we're chickens. Up here we do. They'll be left with nothing. See how they get on here. And so in that second, what we're doing is we're functionally acting as if we're in a reciprocal relationship. I am committed to the church to the degree that it measures up to what I think or it says its commitments to. Now when we come to covenants, that's a contract. Our church membership, as we'll see in a couple of sessions' time, is a covenant, which is different. So a, a contract is reciprocal goods and services. So when you pay for your mobile phone, you pay 30 quid and expect to get 2,000 minutes or whatever it is. If you don't get your 2,000 minutes and you pay your 30 quid, you, you take your bat home because you've got a relationship, a contract relationship. A covenant one is uh, do what, do, have a vision for them irrespective of what they deliver to you. Do you see that? That's frightening, isn't it? That's really frightening. So there are 59 times in the New Testament where the, the word one another comes up. Shout out some of the one another's in the New Testament. Love one another comes up five times. I'll get that one off the desk. What are the one another's? You've seen some here already today. What are some of the one another's? Be kind to one another. Good. What else? Be patient with one another. We don't want to do that, do we? That's the second one. <laughs> Gone. Yeah? Be patient. That's a command from the Lord. Good. What else? Forgive one another. The whole point of forgiveness is that it's not deserved. So if you're in some sort of relationship where it's, it's selfish, it's like I'm in it for what I can, or to the degree that they meet my needs, you, you won't be able to obey, forgive one another if you're in that kind of relationship because the whole point is it's not deserved. Good. What else? Other ones? Admonish what? Yeah, call one another out on stuff. Good. What else? We don't like that one, do we? Uh, we'll talk about that another time. That's what we. So bear with one another. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, slow burn. No, that doesn't mean sort of like, like go past people's houses with a voodoo doll going, I won't say it out loud, but I'll think, no, no, there's a sense in which you, you're expecting the change process to be long. There's loads of them, aren't there? And maybe I'll give you them on a piece of paper next time. So, from this, what should and should not be our motives? Guilt, meeting our own need, our own self-interest shouldn't be. What should be? Um, sense of duty, no. It should be wanting to be on board with God's vision for what he's doing with his people in this world. Wow. Okay, and what about the next one? If you say yes to this, what might you need to say no to? Do you want me to go first? You want me to go first? Okay. Um, I suppose a good way to say this is, what has it cost me to be part of this church family? Now, I realise I'm in a slightly different category because uh, effectively what's happened is to be part of this vision for this church family, I've been called full-time, so there's consequences around there. So, uh, what have I had to say no to? Um, family. I don't see my brothers and my mum and dad as much as I'd like to. And there's days when I'm thankful for that. <laughs> uh, the fact is, is that they live a long way away, and in order to commit to this local church family, I've had to say to them, that's had to change. To be honest with that. Uh, what else? Money. Uh, up to now, it's cost £200,000 for me to be part of this church family. And I don't begrudge a cent of it. When I went full-time, um, my salary halved overnight. And do you know what? I don't regret it. I'm just saying that to say we have to say no to some things in order to say yes. Okay? Some of you will cost you a lot of money. Okay? Uh, my interests, and this is the kicker one, isn't it? Because up until 60 years ago, people lived to eat work until they could eat. We've got this phenomenon in Western culture called having personal interests and pursuing your own interests and goals. And there's this smorgasbord of, of things you can do, whether it's sport or hobbies or what. And we've, we've had them for so long now, for 60 years, we, we think that they're our rights. So for me to be able to plug in and be active uh, as part of a gospel-loving community, there are times and ways, in countless ways, I have to say no to my interests. So on a Sunday morning, to be faithful in the gathering, I'd love to do triathlons. Don't do those. I'd love to take my kids to this, this and this. Don't do those. Uh, through the midweek, I want to make sure I've got time um, to spend with people. To do that, I have to put my interests in the bin. I have to say no to them. Okay? Um, so there's a sense in which, what, what have I done? To say yes to this, I need to say no to certain things in order to create all of those, of, well, the money wants to, but to create time. But there's something else I need to say no to as well, and I find this difficult. It's backing away. I have to say no to backing away. Because if you're anything like me, when things are difficult and relationships are difficult, what do I want to do? I want to run the other way, and I will rationalise in my mind as to why that's a good idea. I'll run it through in my head. And I'll come up with all kinds of good excuses. But if I understand this one, that the, the basic orientation is you move towards people. Almost the more difficult you find it, or they are, <laughs> you move towards them more. So I have to say no to that. I have to say no as well to my selfish desire to take my blessings that have come from the Lord, my gifts, abilities, my finances, my family. Um, I, I have to say no to them being kept solely for me. So in this church family, um, I well, I'll speak about our church family, our family, I've got a strong marriage, I've got kids who are healthy, I've got a home that is big enough, 
And I, I just want to just dive in and indulge myself and my family. I just want to, if I had it up to me, every, every weekend I'd be off doing activities with the kids or doing something in the house. So what I have to say no to is selfishness with all that the Lord has trusted me with. And I, me and Jane have to sit down regularly and think through, how are we going to use these things that the Lord has blessed us with to be a blessing to other people? How are we going to let them into the strengths? Or how are we not going to live for those things that could so easily capture us and, and move towards other people? Do you see that? So if you say yes to this vision, you're going to be asking all kinds of questions as to what you're going to say no to. If you just say, and I mean, the temptation was there, wasn't it? The temptation, oh, what I'll do is I'll add this to what I've already got as my agenda. You will end up in a body bag. And part of our discipleship is saying, I'm going to pursue Jesus and his agenda and do the hard work of figuring out how all those other things that clamour for my time, clamour for my attention, are going to be put back in their proper place. And I've been very cautious not to impose my choices on this onto you, because you're in a different context. But what I will impose upon you is the determination that you prayerfully and humbly live in the process of reviewing that, maybe with other believers around you, to say, how are our choices, how are my choices reflecting the fact that the Lord says, this is great. This is what we're supposed to be living for. Oh, I don't know whether I want to be a member now, Steve. It was a lot easier before he said all this. So that's summarise here. So, becoming... Oh, sorry, yeah, I just... Do any of you want to come back at me and yell in my face at any of those? Do any of you want to question it? Do any of you want to point out stuff where I've still yet to grow and the stuff that I'm still laying down? Chances are I'm already praying into it, but um, public rebuke, it does say admonish one another. Feel free to... Interesting. Yeah. Well, well, this is not a
being followed in class and hearing the spiritual song, singing and making melodies in your heart. Mm. But we need to grasp that the, the melody is something really nice. And to me, it sounds something like a sort of feeling, something really good and warm and, mm. and nice to be part of. And I just think about the particular people I've met with quite consistently over a period of time to just open the Bible and pray with. And I, for the first however long, it was just hard graft. But then a point comes where I actually look forward to it and I think, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the people here. And it, yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. Good. Anybody else want to come back on anything else? Yeah, that's helpful, isn't it? Go on, do you want to say a little bit more about that? Say no to cliques. Yeah, so, um, something I've seen in other churches. I haven't seen it here, so far. Obviously, you come forward to certain groups of people who you seem to get on well with. And that's okay, I and mean, you'll always kind of cling to certain people, but we need to move towards other people as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think about friendship group groups if they are for and to other people. Never need to be closed, which then obviously becomes a so what will be a more helpful group? Let's say it's a fellowship group. That's a more formal one. Uh, well, I think if we follow the big biblical pattern through, are you more likely to have a growth in a group where you're all the same with the same kind of life experience or where you are very diverse and have to figure that out in the love of Christ? Which one do you think you're going to grow in? I've set that up a bit wonky, haven't I? It's the second, isn't it? Uh, that's why I have a problem with churches that have sort of there's the youth ministry and the student ministry. And we're all supposed to be piled in together and do the hard work of that. Uh, because we become... Yeah, somebody who's the same as you will never challenge you. They'll never challenge you. Uh, or at least not to the, you know... Yeah. That's really helpful. I thought that one was, that's helpful. Anything else? Brilliant. So... Becoming, uh, so becoming two member, that's supposed to be, figure that sentence out. Becoming a member is formally joining a community who are together committed to growing Christ towards a common maturity that it may be a witness to the world. Okay? Happy with that? That's what it will look like. And if you become a church member here at Speak Baptist Church, your first thing will be, well, we do this really badly. <laughs> yep, because we're starting a long way back, but we're trying. We're trying, and we're constantly picking ourselves up and dusting ourselves off and saying, this is the vision that we want to be a part of. Um, so, what I'd encourage you to do now is um, uh, you are here, um, virtually every one of the buddy partnerships is represented by a couple here. So, if you're the person who is here, um, could you be in touch with the person who isn't? If you're both here, you're laughing. If, you're, if you can get in touch with the person who isn't, and then you can... Um, try and arrange a time to get together. By the end of Tuesday, uh, we'll have up on the website the questions for you to work through. Uh, I'll also email them out. Um, if you didn't get an email from me this week, uh, or last, sorry, back end of last week, please let me know, because uh, it means that the email thing isn't working properly. I'm trying to get, I've, 
spent hours just trying to get the admin organised on this. Um, so hopefully you'll be blessed by meeting together with that. Maybe two or three of you would, uh, wouldn't mind just offering up a prayer thanksgiving for what we've lo- looked at, praying that the Lord would be with us as we seek to move towards it. Yeah, if you, if you don't mind to pray. A couple of you pray, please.